wanted to um, uh, talk about something tonight that uh, I've seen and, and come back to multiple times in my life, and every time it seems like I needed it then and I needed it again. And I feel that same way tonight, and I feel that maybe there's some here as well that you may have that same thought. And I wanted to share a little bit about where our, where our church is headed as well. And I wanted you to ask this kind of, have this kind of question in your mind throughout the rest of this evening is, where would I be if it wasn't for Jesus? Where would I be if it wasn't for Jesus? Uh, tonight, I just want to title this, Looking Back, Focusing Forward. Looking Back, Focusing Forward. Uh, looking Back, it's uh, one of the reasons, you know, the thoughts of that is that this uh, Remembrance Day is right around the corner. Um, it, it's this week, and there's two minutes of silence that are, are um, uh, on Remembrance Day at the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month. And it signifies the, um, the end of World War I in 1918. That's when this, this, this moment of, of silence started. Um, and what we're doing, we're remembering the men and women who gave their lives. Men and women who are not here today so that we might be. Uh, that we would have freedom and that we would live because they died. They made that sacrifice for country. Uh, and there's others who are still serving. Um, they're serving our country in times of war, in times of conflict, and in times of peace. They're serving our nation, and we're thankful f- for uh, each and every one of them. Um, there's a saying called, lest we forget. Uh, and that saying's from a poem, but it was used to, uh, just for this thing, that, that the fear that we would forget uh, uh, is, is part of the Part of the reason that um, we have these things of, of Remembrance Day and realizing that you can get into life and get into a routine and, 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 and totally forget uh, that, uh, that it's a gift. You know, the breath you just took, you probably didn't thank God for it because you just, you've done it a hundred times today. You've done it thousands, millions of times in your life. It's just like, oh, you take it for granted. It's just the next one's just going to be there. And yet, it's a gift. And so we wanted to um, talk a, a, a little bit about that uh, tonight. This idea of looking back. The Bible has a ton of stories on remembrance. Uh, and it's, um, uh, some of the stories were, were simply written for that purpose. They were written so that you wouldn't forget. So that the people who they were written to wouldn't forget. Uh, the Old Testament, there's lots. You know, you look at Moses in, in Deuteronomy chapter 8, um, the God speaking through, um, through Moses, and he, he tells the nation of Israel, he says, you're about to enter the promised land. Everything we've been through together, you know, when we were in Egypt uh, 40 years ago, it was your parents that were there. You probably remember some of the slavery back then. Um, we took you out. There was the 10 plagues. There was all the miracles that we, uh, that we went through together. I did them, and you got to be, you know, you got to have them as, you know, God's talking to them and saying, just remember that. Don't forget where you came from. And then he says to them, and remember how it was like in the desert where your parents complained and they didn't get to go into the promised land because of it. Remember that. Remember that I fed you and that, you know, when we hear Jesus saying man doesn't live by bread alone, it was from this spot where he said, I gave you manna that nobody had ever seen before. And we learned to realize that we don't live by bread alone. We learn to live by, by the very word of God. And so he says, remember how God provided for you. And when you're doing well in this new country, because you're gonna, he says, the, the mountains are full of copper and iron. The, the fields are full of uh, good food. And, and he says, when you get there and you're rich, he says, then be really careful that at that point you don't forget your God. You know, I can imagine that when you're going through difficult season and it's every day is difficult, it's not really hard to forget to pray. It's not really that difficult to say, oh, God, I need your help. You know, it's really difficult to remember that when things are going really, really well. And, and uh, he said back then it was no different. Remember when your life is doing well, remember who changed it. Because if it wasn't for him, 
It's not changed. Where would I be without Jesus? In the book of Joshua, Joshua chapter 4, he had some stones set up as a, as a memorial, a bunch, a bunch of stones set up by the, the river um, Jordan. This isn't, this isn't that river because it wouldn't be quite as impressive if that little stream sort of split and they walked through. This is a real river. Uh, and he said um, uh, to, the, to them, he says, once they'd walked through the river, he says, grab 12 stones, set them up in a monument here because I want you, when, when, when you um, come by this place, you'll remember what God has done here. And he says, when your kids ask, hey, Dad, what's that pile of rocks? You'll have an answer and say, whoa, you know, yeah, that's right. That pile of rocks, son uh, or daughter, that's when, you know, God um, performed a miracle and stopped this river so we could get across. And he was saying, you know, God's saying, uh, and, and with, with them doing this, they're putting a memorial there for generations to come. It wasn't just about, yeah, hey, this was great. This is like, this was great, but the next generation needs to hear it. And it's, um, where would I be without Jesus? Where are they going to be without him? Then in Samuel, in 1 Samuel 7, um, for those, uh, he, he sets up something called an Ebenezer. Um, and many of you are familiar with Ebenezer, but it's not that one. It's uh, this one. Um, an Ebenezer stone. Uh, and um, the, the Ebenezer stone was something that Samuel set up and just said, hey, this is the people that actually, he had called them and said, you know, if you want to turn back to God, if you want to give your lives back to God and uh, live for him, um, he, he showed uh, that they were, in a, they were in a difficult place. The enemy was uh, just about to attack them. They said, yeah, we want to turn back to God. And that enemy, when they came at them that day, it says God just threw his voice in the thunder, totally confused the enemy. And they were, they were destroyed by this, this Israelite army. And uh, they realized, and he set up the stone and said, listen, I want you to remember that the Lord has helped you thus far. Don't forget that he's helped you thus far. Uh, and it was a reminder that up until this point, God has helped us. And I look at that in my life. I think, you know, I could put one of those up every single day. Up until this point, God has helped me. Um, tomorrow, up until this point, God has helped me. But this was that idea of something big and permanent that would stay there, that would let them know that, hey, he's, he's been helping us. Um, the letter of John, they're studying John in the, um, in the Bible studies here on, on Tuesday nights. That whole book, it wasn't a book. It was just, it was a letter. That whole thing was written just to be one of these remembrance things. It says in the, um, at the very end of John, you're not, getting, you're not there yet, but I'm just going to spoil alert here when you get there. Sorry, Jackie. But John chapter, um, John chapter 20, verse 30 to 31 says this. The disciples, actually, it's, it's even if you read the heading, it says the purpose of this book. It says uh, the disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded in this book. But these are written. These miracles are written so you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. He's saying this is written here so that, you know, people will have the chance to believe that there will be this, um, th- this witness that people are not going not gonna to forget. You know, because you think, man, if I saw a miracle, I'm never going to forget that. And yet, it happens all the time. He said, Let's, we're going to write this down. And it, it didn't stop with uh, their, the very first churches in Revelation. They had one of these written to them, that they got a, a letter written to them saying, hey guys, remember where you started. Remember your first love. You guys are doing awesome. You're doing awesome works, but the love for, for me and each other is missing. Remember that. And I almost think that that last series we went through of being called to discipleship just brought that same thought back. We're all about loving him and loving one another. Uh, and so today I wanted to take uh, a couple moments to, to look back. To, um, to look back to remember um, where we've come from, you know, what uh, he's done in our lives. Uh, but there's a danger in looking back sometimes. And some of you are familiar with this, you know, uh, the danger in looking back is when it, become, when it becomes your focus. 
when that's all the places that, that you're looking, you know, you drive like that, you're going to be in trouble sooner than later. Uh, when I was in, you know, kids' church, there was a story of Lot's wife. It was like one of our favorites. Um, it was God had, um, had sent the angels, and they were going to destroy um, uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. And they said to Lot and his family, his wife um, and two daughters, and all they had was one command— Run to the mountains and don't look back. So Lot, when it happened, ran to the mountains. His two daughters ran to the mountains. And his wife, she ran halfway and then turned around and looked back. Anybody know what she turned into? She turned into a pillar of salt. I I remember, too, one of the little kids in class was like, Yeah, I I remember when my mom was driving, she uh, she looked back and she turned into a telephone pole. Um, So... But there's this, this danger in looking back, and we see it in the New Testament as well. In Philippians, um, Paul wrote this. He says, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things, which he's talking about perfection. That he says that, that I haven't reached that, but I press on to possess that perfection uh, for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. He says, no, dear brothers and sisters, I've not achieved that yet, but I focus on this one thing. I focus on this one thing. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Just remember that. I, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. And so then you get to this part, and you're like, well, you know, doesn't Paul just tell us clearly in the Bible that we're supposed to forget the past? And many of you be like, yes, I would love to do that. My past, I want nothing to do with it. And uh, that's one of the reasons why we encourage people to get into a Bible study. So you learn how to, um, to study the Word in, in the context and realize that there was a bunch of verses before this, and there's a bunch of verses after that help to explain this particular thought. So Paul's saying, you know, hey, forget, I'm forgetting the past and I'm pressing forward. But what we don't realize if you just see this part is that the verses before this, he just listed. And in other places in the Bible, he listed out exactly what his past was. He listed out all the things he's really proud of. He listed out all the things that he wasn't so proud of in his life. So when he says, I'm forgetting the past, he didn't actually forget it. He didn't, it wasn't that it was something he did not remember it anymore. He just said that this idea of, I'm not focusing there anymore. I remember it, but I'm not focusing there anymore. And Paul Paul um, says that, uh, and I think it's, it's a great thought for us, because the only danger in, in the past is that we allow our focus to be there. Maybe your um, past is full of fails. You know, maybe, uh, maybe there's been a bunch of things that you look back and you're like, yeah, you're not doing it right, it says there on the bottom. Um, but, you know, you look back at your life and maybe yours aren't like humorous. Yours are things like, wow, you know, yeah, I've screwed up a marriage. Or, yeah, I've, uh, I, I let myself get into all kinds of addictions that have, you know, are haunting my life. I did all kinds of crazy things that now I'm, I'm wearing the scars and paying the price for. I just want to remind you that just because there's been failures in your life doesn't, doesn't make you a failure. Failing doesn't make you a failure. Failure is not an event, or it is an event. It's not a person. And some of you look back and say, ah, I don't want to look at my past because I don't like what I see back there. But I want to encourage you tonight that, as Paul would say too, is that there's this idea of learning from the past and focusing on the future. Paul said, I haven't got there yet. I haven't achieved perfection. If I look back in my life, there is none there. And we'll, we'll tie this up at the end, but he says, I keep looking. I keep looking forward to Jesus, and I keep uh, running that race that he set before me. Maybe your life's the opposite, though. Maybe your life, you look back, and it's been full of success. Like, ever since you were a kid, you had it all. You know, you were just like, um, your life just seemed to work. You look back at life, and you were like the star of the football team. You know, you had lots of money. You know, parenting was this incredible joy in your life. Your marriage was awesome. Uh, and, and whatever you call success, you had had it. Uh, and maybe you're at a place now where you're looking back, you're like, you just want to live in the glory days? Like, you look back and go, man, you know, back then things were so awesome, and now 
I don't know. Life just doesn't seem to have a whole lot of meaning now. And so what do you tell? Stories about, you know, the, 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 that one play you made in high school. You know, that you were like the star. Or that, that time in your life where you were popular and everybody loved you. And that's kind of where you live. But he is saying, you know what, don't focus on that either. Because I've got you here for more than that. I've got you here for a reason. And that's to keep, keep focusing forward. Because there's, there's changes and seasons in life. But he's got you here for that reason. Um, and to, to carry on through. Paul said that the same thing. He says, I got all kinds of stuff I could brag about. I was, like, I was like the top of my class. I was born into the right family. I was the most um, passionate you know, Jesus, or I'd say not Jesus, passionate God follower of my day. And yet, he says, all that is just worth nothing uh, compared to knowing Jesus Christ. He says, don't get stuck living there. And here's another one I see so often. And the children of Israel had the same thing. Because, you know, we're not so different. Well, we're not different at all from people uh, that, have, that have gone before us. Thousands of years ago, they struggled with the same thought. You know what they complained about when they were in the, in the desert? Of, of, um, after they had left Egypt, they left slavery, they were in the desert, and they were heading to the promised land. They knew that God was taking them to somewhere great. And on the journey, they're sitting there going, ugh, I don't like this manna. I wish we could go back to Egypt. It was way better back in Egypt. You know, my life was so much easier. And today, it sounds like, you know what? Uh, my life was a whole lot easier when I wasn't serving Jesus. You know, like my friends who don't serve Jesus, they got it way easier than me. They never have, you know, they do whatever they want. They get away with it. You know, they, their lives seem more fun. They seem more happy. They seem to have more joy. And it can get to this thought where like, oh, God, serving you sometimes is hard. I just want to go. It was just easier back then. It affected the children of Israel. affected King David in Psalm 73. He was honest enough to write about it. He says, I've watched the people who are not servants of the Lord, and their lives look great. They look like they've got it all going. And he says, and he says, my foot almost slipped. I almost wanted to go join them. I almost wanted to go back to that kind of living. But he says, something stopped me. I entered the house of the Lord. And he says, I realized their end. I realized what the end result of it was. And he says, you know what? I saw that that's not where I wanted to be. And so there's a, there's a, a danger sometimes in getting focused on what's behind you. And, and, and Paul and David and throughout the Bible is always this thing of pulling our focus back onto Jesus. Because where would you be without him? Not only where would you be without him, where are you going with him? Where are you going with him? Um, today I wanted to take the opportunity just to say that we have a very special birthday in this, um, in this room tonight, and it's you. Kingsway is eight years old this week. Eight, I know, I know. It's, uh, it's pretty, pretty sweet, and time has flown by. How many of you were here eight years ago? Just take a quick look around. All six, seven of you. Yes, that's right. Brandon was drumming. Yeah, seven. Man, we, we don't even retain one a year. This is, oh, hey, I was there. So we're good. One a year. Um, there, there's eight of us um, uh, from, from this group who were there um, uh, eight years ago. And so what I've realized as we've kind of grown, as people have come on board and they're getting involved, they're like, yeah, we're part of Kingsway family. You've no idea what your family history is like. None. And I thought I, I wanted to take t tonight to just take a look back to share a little bit about where we've come from and where we're going. Because I get that question a lot too. Well, what are we going to do when, you know, Saturday night is full? What are we going to, what are, what are we doing as a church? What's the plan? I, I want to let you in on what's kind of been happening. So take, take you back to about 
about 10, 11 years ago uh, in a little church out in Sweets Corners. Uh, does anybody know where Sweets Corners is? Just down the road. So there's this church called Sweets Corners Christian Church. You see their sign? We aren't Dairy Queen, but our Sundays are great. Um, so uh, this, uh, this quaint little church in the country, um, pastored by this guy named Wesley DeVries, and I, I googled Wesley DeVries to get his picture, and there's a scam artist in BC that comes up named Wesley DeVries who scams off women out of, out of all their money. So uh, I couldn't, I, but I couldn't find any pictures of, of him, so of the real Wesley DeVries, which is my brother-in-law, so I can't really show you who he is, but um, Wes... Um, um, Dick and Liz, their uh, their eldest son and only son. He was pastoring this church, and uh, we had been pastoring together there. I was youth pastoring for a number of years, and in the ten years that he was there, he had filled it to it had filled to capacity. There was you know uh, uh, more people than there were chairs, and there was different services. And in his heart, he knew that we got to do something. We got to plant something. We got to we got to move. We have to do something. And so, for a number of years, we looked for property everywhere around this area, and we found six pieces of property. And every single time we found a piece of property, uh, something was wrong with it. Either it couldn't be, have septic, they didn't want a church there, it was too close to the, the racetrack, and all of them were going to cost us about a million bucks. And so we were always like, yeah, let's, let's pursue it, and it never, never worked out. And then, you know, uh, in 2000, um, 2006, this building all of a sudden became available. And we went here and we thought, man, there's a church building. It's already zoned properly. It has a rental house beside it. And we're like, this is, this is pretty sweet. That's going to be worth a lot of money. And so we found out what, the, what they wanted, and it was $190,000. I know, eh? And so we're like, this has got to be God. And we were like so, you know, we were so sure. But not everybody was. It was a difficult thing because there was this pain of, of thinking, you know what, there's, there's all of us together, but if we, we don't all want to move there. And so maybe some of us can move there, but that's not fun either. And so it was, it was difficult at that um, stage to realize that maybe, maybe we're going to really have to trust God. We're really going to have to look at things and say, what are we going to do from here? And we realized that, that this place, you know, it was something, maybe we just needed to, to just trust God and see what would happen. Uh, when, we, when we decided to, to buy the place, it kind of looked, yeah, that's what it looked like on the outside. Uh, and then inside, here's a picture of, um, what's the next picture? Oh, yeah, that's our cafe back in the day. Love the stained glass. And then uh, the next one is, uh, this is, again, that's, that, that was our first cafe reno. And now you can see what it looks like when you came in tonight. Uh, then it, uh, this was the, the auditorium uh, from back there. That's where the Lucas family, that's your view. Uh, this is kind of what it looked like. And we changed it at one point, And so then it looked like this. And then we, that, then we busted down all the walls and made it what you see here. That was our basement. It was actually an indoor pool. We didn't know that when we bought the place, but every spring. Uh, and so then uh, <laughs> uh, this, this is what sort of changed too, and it became one of those kind of like those, uh, I don't know, insane asylums, whatever, all the white and whatever, and then send our kids down there. Uh, and we've changed it. We had a kitchen once. Um, this was it. It was also a, a mouse breeding ground, so we took it out as well. But this is kind of what we thought, thought, and we started, and we saw, and we're like, yeah, you know, maybe, maybe something great can happen in this place. Um, there was um, other churches who had been in this place before. When we bought the place, one of the people who, had, uh, who lives in this area had said, yeah, that, you're going to be like the fourth church that's been in that building. That building eats churches. We don't know why. They just don't make it. Uh, and uh, we're like, oh, okay. And then they said, you know, um, some others said, well, you'll probably be there a year, and, uh, you know, that's all we'll give you. And we thought, you know what? We're just going to trust God. Let's see what God 
might, might do. Uh, and so um, the first service here, the first service was packed. Um, Brandon was drumming. That's all we heard. Uh, we, there, was no, <laughs> there was no sound insulation. So the drums, just it, the volume was like mega. Um, and it, uh, the, the, the first service began with a bang, uh, literally, because one of our piano player did a U-turn because there was no parking. She was going to park on the road, and she got T-boned right in front, right before the service. Uh, maybe remember that. It was like, oh, you know, and, and then uh, it's a sign. And we're like, yeah, it's a sign, but it's just, we need a sign here. and We need more parking. That's, that's what the sign was. Then we cut down the tree that we didn't realize that the neighbors, great-grandfathers or whatever, had planted, and it was a special tree. We cut it down uh, and, put a, and put a parking lot there. Uh, and that was a first one of the parking lots, and, and we got, you know, whatever. And then we built more parking lots, and we're building another one just so you guys can park closer in the winter. Uh, it seems to be one of the things that happened. And this place was packed. It was right full, 200 people. And then the next Sunday, um, 40 people showed up. And so we're, you're, it's more than, uh, it was less than this. And that included all seven children, which were our kids' ministry. So when they went downstairs, we were like, you know, 20 people sitting here in, in, in an empty, I had a video of it, but it didn't, it doesn't work. It's, it's, uh, yeah, it's just crazy. But Wes pastored both these con, uh, congregations for, for two years. He'd start here at 9.30, and that's why it was at 9.30, so he could make it back to Sweets Corners to, to speak there at 11.00. Uh, and we've just stayed with 9.30 ever since. He made huge sacrifices uh, of his time, uh, finances, even relationships, just to see that this thing would happen. He knew that this was what um, God was doing. And that passion, it kind of took in those, um, that group, that early group that was here, just that little handful of people that thought, maybe we can make a difference here in Balmoral uh, and we'd see what God might do. Two years later, in 2008, um, Wes and a couple others, they came and told me, they said, Mark, we feel like you're supposed to pastor. And I was like, nope, I do not want to do that at all. I never wanted to be a lead pastor. I've said it from day one. I just want to, whatever Wes wants to do, I just want to help him do that. That'll be good enough. And uh, that's all I wanted to do. And they said, no, we really feel like God's actually put it on our hearts. We're supposed to tell you that you know, you're, this is like him t- talking to you. you. You're supposed to, I was like, no, nah, no, I, I don't think so. And then one morning during my devotions, as I'm reading through and um, God just clearly dropped it in my heart that this is what his plan was for me, that he wanted me to serve in this place. I felt called here uh, and I still do. I have no plans to ever leave this place. I would gladly die serving this group of people. No, it's fine. Um, but I, I, I I know that that's what's um, in my heart. And, you know, I have to say, I, I have the greatest job. I could never leave it uh, because I get to work with the greatest people. And I'm so, uh, I am genuinely proud and thrilled to see what he's been doing in and through um, all of you. Uh, and it's been um, been something that uh, got to that place where after that, it was like, well, we got to vote on it, whether we're going to have Mark or not have him. Some of you did not vote in favor um, back then. Um, I don't know if you're here today, but... Uh, um, <laughs> You know, there was, those, there was those moments where we just said, we're just going to do this thing and see what God might do and see, God, are you really leading? Because if you're not, that's just going to go no all the way. Um, and I wasn't the, I was a jerk back then. I was mouthy. And, well, I'm still a little mouthy, but I was just not nice mouthy back then. And Wes gave me this, this CD series, like, if you're going to pastor, you need to listen to this. It was how to win friends and influence people. Um, and, and, something about be nice to people. He's like, you need to listen to this at least three times. I've known you for 10 years. Listen to this three times, and then we'll talk about, you know, letting you do this. And um, uh, I listened to it one and a half times. So, um, but this, this thing, uh, we realized back then we wanted to build a healthy, life-giving church that unchurched people would want to become a part of. 
We just had no idea that that's what the wording was. We just knew that somewhere in there, in those early days, like Dan and Mel Bergshoff, if you know them, they sat on this side. Um, I had no kids back then. Um, E.B. sits in the exact same place that he sat in um, as he did back then. And uh, I used to just sort of dress in like a hoodie and um, ripped jeans. And, and people would say, you need to dress more like a pastor. And I'm like, I just want people to feel welcome, right? I, I want to be like underdressed and, um, and still can't tuck in my shirt. But, you know, it's, uh, th- that there was this thought of let's just, let's just do something different. Um, I had a dream, not like a dream where I fell asleep, but I had this thing in my heart that I th- could see, and I thought, you know what? What could it look like? What could church look like? How, could we redefine what people think of when they hear the word church? And there's a guy named William Carey who's a missionary. He said this. He said, expect great things from God. Expect great things from God and attempt great things for God. And back then we thought, yeah, that sounds like something we want to do. What would it look like? What would it look like if people really believed that they were the church and it wasn't a building and it wasn't a service? What would that look like if people really grabbed onto that, that 24-7, wherever they are, they're the church? What would that look like? What would it look like if we decided to love people before we ever met them? We just decided we're going to love them as soon as they get in here. What if we decided to, that we would accept people exactly the way they were and just allow Holy Spirit to, to work in them and clean them up and we would uh, do our best not to do that? What if we chose to forgive each other when we offended one another and do it quickly so that our relationships would continue to grow? What if we decided that we weren't going to beat people up every Sunday with rules and laws, but we thought, let's just encourage them to open their hearts and experience the love of Jesus Christ? What could happen if, that, if there was a church like that, if we could be a church like that? What if we focused on loving God and loving people and loving life? And what if, what if the church realized that they were ministers and they didn't rely on their pastor to do everything. What could that look like? What would it be like? Can that happen? And we said, we'd walk through, and I remember walking through the empty pews, and I'd pray over those pews and be praying that God would fill them with people that he wanted to be here. And watching and being amazed as, as he did that, seeing people's lives that were touched and affected and changed by, you know, the real, the life-giving uh, love of Jesus Christ. And as I look around tonight, and take a look around, because you are those people. You are, you are them. And I, I say I'm proud to serve with a, a, with a group of people like you. In 2012, we started Saturday nights. Uh, everybody's like, yeah, I know. <laughs> everybody's like, nobody does Saturday nights. And we're like, we know. They're like, the next step is do two Sunday morning services. That's what everyone else does. And we're like, yeah, but we can't. We're this relationship church that they start. We start at 9, but they're here at 8. And we, we're done at 11. They don't leave till noon. But there's no way we're going to be able to do two services without changing that. And so we thought, well, let's just try something different. We don't know. Let's, att- let's, let's attempt something for God, and let's expect some great things. And guess what? You're those great things um, that, that has happened. And here we are a couple years later. I said to somebody, we did it for a year. And then I thought, he said, we'll give it a year. And at the end of the year, we're like, we'll give it one more week. And that one more, you know, that one more week, there's people like, you can't stop it. We are very vocal people. You can't not do Saturday. I need Saturday night. And we're like, Oh, exactly. And because of it, here we are and how many others. Um, we, 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 we felt like that's where we were at way back then. Uh, and it can be easy to look back and say, wow, man, look what God's done. How great. How cool is that? Let's just enjoy this until he returns. Let's just do this. But I want to encourage you that in the same way of not looking backwards, not focusing on what's behind, as a church, we feel very strongly that he's also putting that in us as corporately to say we need to focus forwards. We need to keep looking ahead. That's not what he ever wanted a church to 
to look like and be like is one that just says, hey, it's time to take a break. When he talks about the church in Matthew, he's like, the gates of hell, the things that all that all the evil that hell brings, he says, that can't stand against the church. If they will know who they are, they're going to bust through that stuff. They're going to help see people set free. They're going to help see people have hope and, and, and life and marriages restored and, and all that kind of stuff. And that was his description. So I want to encourage you that we got to keep fighting. We have to keep fighting for things. So often the church is tagged with this thing of, well, they're against everything. You know, they're anti-divorce, they're anti-whatever, uh, and just saying we need to fight for, for our marriages. We need to fight for our families. The enemy always wants you to be fighting in your marriages rather than for them. He wants you to fight against your spouse rather than with them. He wants you to fight, you know, uh, against your children rather than fighting for your children. And God wants us to keep fighting for those things, fighting for our marriages, fighting for our spouses, fighting for our kids, fighting for the, the good that, that um, he desires for us. He hasn't called us to stop. So where are we going from here? As Kingsway Church, where are we going from here? Um, we get the questions. I know this feels like a business meeting. I'm sorry, but I, I didn't know how else to just kind of let you know. Um, if you're listening online, uh, this is our business meeting. Are we going to build a bigger? Are we going to build a bigger building? That's the question that mostly Sunday morning people ask. What are we going to do? Are we going to, you know, are we going to go back to one service when we do build a bigger building? Are we going to plant a church? I just want to let you know that this is where we stand. In that we, as uh, as uh, just a leadership team that prays for direction, um, it's His church. It's not mine. It's not ours. We're it, but it's his. Um, it's his. Uh, we're his kids. Uh, we are his body. He's the one who gets to direct and decide. Uh, we know that there's a problem in our county, and that problem is there are thousands of people who don't want to go to church. They don't want to be connected to a church at all. I talked to one this week on the phone. They wanted it for their granddaughter, but they didn't want to have to bring her here because they didn't want to have to go to church. And they were willing to tell me that. And I was like, well, hey, you know, I would be great if you tried it. Um, but that's the problem that we feel that Kingsway is a solution to. That we would build a healthy, life-giving church that unchurched people would want to become a part of. Um, we feel strongly that um, we're supposed to wait and we're supposed to hold, kind of be in a holding pattern um, uh, as far as building goes. We don't feel like um, we're supposed to build right now. We feel like the word was very clear. Wait until you hear the word go. Uh, and not just wait, not just sit around and wait, wait ready, be ready. We feel that we're supposed to, in this season, be raising up leaders and look around you because every person around you, they're a leader. Every one of you has influence and that we feel that at this, this stage and this time, we're supposed to raise up leaders and be willing to let them go. Be willing to let them go. Why? Because we're not here to build Kingsway. We're here to build his kingdom. And if that happens, that people get raised up and leave this place to go be a blessing elsewhere, that's a good thing. And we felt like there's some of these things that we know that, um, that are in our hearts for a little while. And we want to take some time to share that with, um, with you as well. Um, we feel the other, the last thing is that we want to encourage and keep encouraging people to be a healthy, life-giving church. That you would, each of, each of you would be healthy and life-giving um, in your relationships. And that when you're around unchurched people, they just want to be around you. Because you're healthy and life-giving. That they, and, and that it, it becomes this idea that it's not just that we're doing something as is corporately. But that individually we say, what am I doing to make this a healthy, life-giving church? What am I doing? Um, a lot of times we ask people, why do you want to come here? Oh, I just love it here. The way we feel, we feel loved, we feel accepted. And then we've asked them, have you shown love? Or have you, you know, purposely accepted someone else and made them feel like they're at home? Oh, no. I, but I like how I feel when I come here. That's the, that's the thing of taking that next, next step and saying, hey, this is what it is. So what could God do through me? 
What difference could he make through me? Not to just come enjoy, but to be a part of the difference. So the last past eight years, they've been great. They've been awesome, but our focus is forward. So it's good to remember where we came from, but it's more important to focus on where we're going. Um, um, I want to close with one uh, last thing here tonight. We're going to do take communion together, so I'm going to try and do this at the kind of the same time. So maybe we can have a couple of the guys just distribute the emblems. But as they're doing that, I just want you to, to um, just to listen uh, to this thought. I was thinking about reminders. You know, we think about Remembrance Day and that, that war, you know, there's, a, there's tombstones that just say, you know, that um, they died that we might live. And that's a powerful truth. And it's pretty powerful when it's about the fact that we get to live in this country. But there's someone else who died that we might really live. And that's something that's, that's even more um, powerful. And Jesus, what we're about to do, Jesus did this with his disciples to say, hey, here's a reminder. Here's a reminder. Here's something that you guys regularly do, but now I want you to do this and remember me. Now I want you to do this with that hard attitude of, of remembering things. Um, as I thought about it, you know, I think about the reminders that people have from the wars. Those who've fought in battle and the memories, um, we, we find, you know, that there's so many um, people in our military now taking their own lives. Why? Because they have reminders every single day. They live with scars. They live with memories that they can't, you know, get, uh, sleep away, drink away, drug away. They, there's memories that they live with that are constant reminders. Lost friends that they are, are, are constant reminders uh, and remembrance for them of what, uh, what they went through. You know, they, they don't need to wear a poppy to remember what it was like. We have the poppy. We have the services. We have the songs. We've got the, the music videos. Why? Because I wasn't there. So these reminders are something different. They, they're for me. These are the reminders that, that, I, that I need. Um, the reason I say that is because I thought about Jesus with his disciples that night. As he sat there with his boys and he said, Hey, guys, I, I'm, I want, I'm, I'm leaving this place. I'm going to be crucified. Many of you are going to watch and you're going to be there and you're going to see it and you're going to hear it. And he says, I'm going, but I want you to remember something. I want you to remember that this is for you. Uh, here's a reminder. Here's a reminder. Here's a piece of bread that's just a reminder that what I'm about to do is for you. And here's another reminder. This drink, the, this, this um, cup, he says, this is a reminder that what I'm about to do I'm doing it for you. And I thought about it for a minute because, do you know what? If you were there, if you were around that cross that day, standing there as one of Jesus' first disciples, would you need anything to remember what that felt like, looked like? You would never forget it. Your friend, your, your best, you know, friend, this person you've spent three years doing life with is now killed in that sort of way. You're not thinking, man, oh, yeah, what was this? What was I supposed to do again? What was that? You know, oh, oh, the bread. Oh, yeah, that's right. That reminds They would never forget. And when I think about that, I realize that Jesus wasn't giving this just necessarily for those guys. He wasn't. Because they really didn't need the reminder. But he was giving it because he knew we'd be here. He was focusing forward. When he prayed that night in the garden, it says he prayed for every disciple who would, not who was just following him then, who would ever, who would ever follow um, who would ever follow him? He was focusing forward, and I know that that night as he prayed, it says he prayed for me because I'm a disciple. And he prayed for you because you're a disciple. He's focusing forward to Saturday, November 8, when his disciples would get together in a building and say, we're going to do something to remember him. 
to remember the sacrifice that he gave, to remember that he died so I would live, that, it's, that I don't forget that I need to live this thing out because the price paid for me was great, that it was for freedom that he set me free. So I'm going to walk in that freedom, that it was so that I could have abundant life that he died. So I'm going to live that life. I'm not going to settle for second best. I'm not going to settle for Christian. I'm going to be a disciple, a follower of Jesus. Um, Hebrews, he wrote this. Um, they wrote and said, you know, um, run this race. Get your eyes, keep your eyes on Jesus. Set aside the sin and just run the race that's set before you. And in Philippians, this last thought that, that we started with when Paul was saying, hey, here's all the stuff I'm bragging about. He said in verse 7, I once thought that these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Everything I thought was awesome in my life, it's nothing be, compared to what Christ has done. He says in verse 8, yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. We don't have that opportunity without this. We don't have that opportunity without him giving his life for us. So for his, his sake, I've discarded everything else. I count it all as garbage. I choose to look at it but um, not focus on it so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness uh, through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Jesus Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. And I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another I will experience resurrection from the dead. He said that, um, Paul said too, he says, you know that night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he gave it to the disciples then. Paul never met Jesus personally, but I know that he knew him. And the same thought, you know, you haven't met Jesus um, uh, on this planet, walking with him, but you know him. And he said to you, he says, you know what, this was for you. Don't forget that I gave my body. It was broken for you. It was broken for healing. That was already paid for for you. You can just receive that. He's saying, don't miss out on that. Don't miss out on it. He says, it's, my body was broken for you. So today, he'd say to us as his disciples, as his followers, do this tonight in remembrance of me. So would we take him at his word and just do that very simple thing? Jesus, tonight we remember you and the sacrifice you made for us by taking this. Thank you. Thank you for going all the way. Thank you for, for enduring incredible amount of pain. Because of your love for us, for seeing us, realizing we would need your, your body broken instead of ours. And it says he took a cup and he gave thanks for it, gave it to the guys and said, this is the new deal. It says, your sin, it's washed away. <laughs> we sing happy day, it's because it is. You don't have to earn it. You can't. You don't have to try and repent your way there every single, uh, for every single time. He says it's, it's been washed away. Trusting him, realizing him, looking to him. So tonight we do this in remembrance of him.